from the first whistle blow to the game is on the line. This is Stoppage Time. I'm Greg. And I'm Tyler. And we've got Champions League reviews, analysis, criticisms, everything coming in episode number two of Stoppage Time. Tyler, how are you feeling today, buddy? I'm feeling great. Settling into uh, life here in Denver, but also lots of great soccer this week, uh, despite uh, my team Tottenham with a very embarrassing loss to Antwerp. We, we don't have to get into that. You should pick a new team, sir. Just pick a new team. Don't, don't tell me how to live my life. Come over, come over to that Barcelona life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Not even with, in the same country. With, with your on. new manager or new, yeah. uh, new head man, not John Dutch. They're always, they're always going to have – there's always going to be some drama in Barcelona, but that's because, you know, they're independent. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're independent the, the people. They're, they're strong-willed and, and, and fight for what's right in, the, in that area. You know, we might not always win. But we ain't losers neither. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I do. I do. Right. Although, although, I mean, we won't talk about what happened this weekend. Actually, okay. we will later. Anyway, <laughs> lots of great soccer action to uh, dive through the scores. So um, let's get forward to the kickoff. Kickoff begins with Lokomotiv Moscow losing 2-1 to one to defending champs Bayern Munich. Fantastic game. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Shakhtar, last week's uh, surprise victor, tied with Inter Milan. Atalanta comes back from two goals down to tie with Ajax, 2-2. Two to two. Atletico Madrid breaks through with the win, thanks to uh, Jao Felix and his two goals to defeat Salzburg, 3-2. Borussia Mönchengladbach ties with Real Madrid, another uh, comeback for Real Madrid. Lots of questions surrounding that squad. We'll also get into that in a little bit. Porto <laughs> defeats Olympiacos 2 to nothing. Liverpool snoozily defeats Midland 2 to nothing. And Man City continues to pour it on, winning 3 nothing over Marseille. On day four, PSG finally breaking through, winning 2 to nothing, scoring some goals this time. Uh, but at a cost as uh, Neymar is down for at least a month with a groin injury. Also waking up, Chelsea defeats Krasnodar 4 to nothing. Dortmund wins 2 to nothing over Zenit. Club Brugge and Lazio tie 1-1. Ferent Veros and Dynamo Kiev tie 2-2. Greg's Barcelona defeats Juventus minus Cristiano Ronaldo 2 to nothing. Man United wins 5 to nothing over Leipzig. Greg predicted Leipzig was going to win that one. Egg on your face, sir. And finally, <laughs> Sevilla defeats Stadarain 1 to nothing. So now that that's the way that it is, I, I would say overview of this week. Everything kind of went according to plan. Takeaways for me. Now, the game of the week was supposed to be that Barca-Juventus game, granted that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, if he had played, it would have been the game of the week. It would have been the game that everybody would have looked at. Ratings would have been up for that game specifically. I don't have any rating numbers, guys. I'm just I'm, I'm calling it as <laughs> I'm just saying, right? If he was there, you would have had two of the world's best players head-to-head. Once again, we haven't seen that for uh, about two years. 
But the game of the week, surprisingly to me, ended up being that Locomotive Moscow game versus Bayern Munich, which, which was a nail-biter. It felt from watching... Now, out of all the games that I had to review, the majority of them, I watched highlights. This game, I watched the whole thing. It was tight from beginning to end because Bayern was abusing Locomotive Moscow and they held their own for the majority of that game. Held their own better than I've, I've seen uh, the, my own team hold up against Bayern Munich. Locomotive's keeper had a heck of a game. Yes. He, he had, had to. He had to. He kept them in the game, uh, the keeper, uh, Guillerme. He had some amazing stops with, with the exception of one that actually could have made this 3-1 to one with a almost tap-in pass from Kimmich that was stopped by a defender that I don't think anybody saw there during that. Mm-hmm. Man, as much as Bayern was in control of this game, you kept seeing the the little bright spots of locomotive breakthrough. And you got the feeling like if Bayern's not careful, this could be tied. Mm-hmm. For for context, Bayern jumped up very early 13 minutes into the game. We're up one nothing, and then goals were not scored until the 70th minute. It was a defensive clinic put on by Moscow mm-hmm. from a relentless offense from Bayern Munich. Now, I, I know that stats aren't the, the full story, right? You could only get a snapshot of what's going on with the stats. But let me tell you guys how this game basically went down, right? They both had roughly about the equal amount of shots, uh, Locomotive having 15 and Bayern Munich having 19. But down the list, let me tell you something. Uh, Bayern Munich had 65% possession. They outpassed Locomotive by almost double the amount of passes total in the game. Pass accuracy was 86 versus Locomotive 76. They fouled more, which, which is already a red flag. No cards. Uh, they had one, one yellow card. They had five offsides. That was the key stat that really spoke to me. It meant that – so they had five offside calls while Locomotive had two. This, this said to me that Locomotive – the defensive line was really communicating, trying to get that offside trap activated because Bayern Munich plays a very long game into open spaces. So they timed the run, stepped just in front of the line, made sure that the, because it, let's, let's look at something real quick as well, right? The two goal scorers, where did they come from? The midfield, right? Yeah. Lewandowski didn't score anything. Uh, Thomas Müller didn't score anything, right? It came from deep within the midfield um, as they play, uh, a 4 2 3 1 um, over at, at Bayern Munich. And it just showed that that locomotive, they had the four in the back, they had three, uh, they had five in the middle, as a matter of fact, uh, three in the deep mid, two uh, further up with uh, Zilouis at the top of that formation. They, they came out and they were ready for the, the, the barrage of shots that were taken on them and shot back equivalently. You know, 15 to 19, that's not a big difference uh, as we'll get into some other stats further down when we talk about Real Madrid. They played solid defense. They couldn't get the ball up there. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been telling you, Tyler, this game is a game of error management. And Locomotive managed their errors quite significantly. They just they didn't know that, that a superstar named Joshua Kimmich was going to take one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen in my entire life late in the second half. It, I mean, yeah, it, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. It, it was another one of those goals where the keeper didn't react. 
like because no one expected he could him to if if you've been watching Bayern Munich, you you know Kimmich loves to take long shots, mm-hmm. and he likes to disguise when he is going to take those shots. He is one of the best playing right now at long distance shots, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's something to behold. Now, I have something to bring up to you because bring you it. mentioned uh, Lewandowski not scoring. Right. And last week we kind of bemoaned the referee errors and the uh the those things like that. Before the Kimmich goal, Lewandowski was doing what he did, driving towards goal, appeared to be fouled inside the box, which would have drawn a penalty kick. Mm. VAR decided to overturn it. What are your thoughts on that? It's it's hard it's hard to to be out there ref in the game. You know, you miss you miss a lot. You see a lot. Um, some of it you let go. I don't think that the foul. I, I mean, for the for the sake of the flow of the game, I don't think that the foul was egregious. I I do think that it was a late tackle, but I did see a little bit of ball being touched on that one. Um, not not as ridiculous as the the PK foul that we saw last week that that he got the the red card for. But you know, it was a little bit of a scrap. I know that the arguments went up, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because I've seen I've seen situations where the refs allow for teams to keep the momentum of the game going and kind of waiting to see where this one was going to go because I think at that point it was one one if I'm yes. if I'm not if I'm not mistaken it was one one it was it was like five or six minutes before Kimmich scored right so it was one one and and I think that the the referees do make a conscious decision to not let the game be decided by penalties free kick we're fine with that because it's a little bit more difficult to to accomplish but that the game would not have gone as well as it did um if they called it so i'm, I'm fine with that if it was a blatant foul and they overturned it um i would have been a little bit more up in arms but you know it was a good challenge a little late uh just got a toe on the ball i'm okay well, with it. the the reason that i ask is because it at least you know last week i talked about how like if you're a star within the league you will get those calls. Right. And it was, and it was originally called a penalty kick. VAR mm-hmm. is the one who overturned it. Right. And if you, again, if you've been following Bayern or you've been just following football in general, you know Lewandowski's a beast. Oh, yeah. You know that that, that man is have. I believe he's in his 30s, but he's having such a late in the game surge of, you know, like he, he's always been a good player, but he hasn't been on this level. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I think he sees these other people scoring. He's his other teammates scoring goals, and he's like, "I want in on that because I'm." Right. You know, I, I, I am. I put up career numbers within the Bundesliga last year for goals scored in a season. Mm-hmm. Like the the man is on fire, and you could see him. You know, like the this was maybe his chance to kind of break into this year's Champions League and get 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 a part of the action. So mm-hmm. I know he was disappointed on that level, but I where I was going before I started praising Lewandowski yeah. was I, I think that the refs need to be consistent with what they think is a penalty because I personally think that was on par or slightly – we'll go with on par with how Messi got a PK last week in the Champions League. Right. I didn't necessarily – it was a different type of play, but I didn't see anything – necessarily different to be like oh well Messi got that PK last week this is going to stand 
oh no it's not oh okay sure it doesn't mess with game flow it keeps things uh keeps things interesting but i don't i don't know the and i think refing was much better this week mm-hmm. I, I don't really have much to really draw attention to except for this because as you said it, it very much could have changed the flow yeah. of that game it would have, it would have been and and like i said like you know there's a lot of nuance that goes into refereeing i know that we want it to be very very rigid sometimes is that like and but then again we also have to realize that you know different refs are human beings and different refs have different ideas as to as to what a foul like like how how serious was that foul you know a lot of people argue they'll push back on me with that they'll be like no fair is fair he got brought down in the box but you also have to look at the nuance of the game you have to look at who the referees are i know that you know especially back in the day there was a lot of of conversation um i would remember in the groups that i was in about you know players knowing who the refs are and you know so they would know that before a game it would be like all right cool so we got an easy ref i could pull a little elbow in the back i could tug a t-shirt i could pull at his face like you know there's there's a certain amount of leeway that this guy is going to give me versus i can't remember the referee's name but he he was basically one of the strictest refs um of his time and it slowed down the game quite a bit when he would ref the game because of the amount of stops that they would have and i think that they're trying to have a more free flowing um sport also different league different referees it it just it just depends on the man honestly they could go either way and and to to your idea that it's going to be more free flowing that's also why the offsides rule they're having them wait to raise the flag. Like back in the day, that flag was up and it just stopped play. Correct. Um, but the they're instructed to to keep it down until it's uh, until a certain point, and then they they will eventually call offsides. Absolutely. So the, there's there's a lot of changes to the game, and I know um, these kind of things were what people were were worried about VAR doing to to the game. Yeah. Is that it that it almost takes the human error out of it mm-hmm. for the most part. For the most part, we'll 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 see how that goes uh, along the line. I want to get into uh, to this Real Madrid game. I, I really want to get into this game with Let's you. Do it. So last week, Real Madrid lost to Shakhtar, shocked the soccer world. Everyone was questioning what was what was going on with with Real Madrid. You know, I like I said. I would have thought Barcelona would have pulled something like that, not Real Madrid, because Barcelona's just got they worlds got and worlds. They they got worlds and we, worlds of issues. We which, got issues, which I also want to get into. <coughs> Griezmann. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Real Madrid off this, I would almost say embarrassing loss to Shakhtar, taking out the potential penalty or non-penalty at the end of the game. The mm. game should shouldn't have been like that. Real comes out this past weekend, shows up for the Clasico and beats mm. Greg's Barcelona. And it's like, oh, okay. They're back. They're, they're, they're back. We, Greg and I were talking before we started recording and Real definitely came out this game looking different than what happened with Shakhtar. Yes. They still went down to nothing. Yes. But they came out looking different and they – Almost like the the Bayern locomotive game, they they were pounding Mönchengladbach, mm-hmm. and again, defense prevailed. 
Greg, hit him with some stats on this game. All right, guys. Y'all want the stats? Let me give you the stats. So I don't think that Real Madrid played a bad game here. But it comes back down to error management. Watching the game, let me tell you something. Real Madrid looked more, they looked full of life. They looked as attacking as they were for the classical game, right? To my dismay. Um, <laughs> I think that, that Mönchengladbach had a really strong defense and they understood how to do some serious error management. Let's throw some numbers at them. Real Madrid had 22 shots total. They had six shots on goal. That's a lack of efficiency right there, right? They had 66% possession over Mönchengladbach. They had 762 passes over Mönchengladbach's 412. That's almost double. You have, they had 89% pass accuracy. What does that tell you? They are communicating and moving the ball really well. Their execution at the top, that was the issue. Seven fouls, one yellow card, and eight corners. They were playing some of the best football that I've seen Real Madrid play for a very long time. Not to say that they've been playing bad, but this has been on the upper end of that scale. You know, like teams like, like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, let's go to England, Liverpool, these guys – they have good. They really. They have really good games, and then they have okay games, and then once in a while you have a horrible game, like our you know eight whatever defeat to to uh, Bayern Munich last year. Real Madrid played really strong ball, but the the only reason why they drew this game, or in your case, Tyler, you know they, they kind of won it. They got a point. Is that Mönchengladbach forgot the most important rule in any sport? Play till the last minute. This was why Mönchengladbach, in our opinion, lost this game. They, they, it was theirs to lose. They were up 2-0 up until the 87th minute, <laughs> right? They were up 2-0 to the 87th minute. Really great goal scored um, by uh, Thuram in the, very, in the first uh, couple moments of the game. And then coming down to the end, let in... A beautiful goal by Benzema. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a new Benzi supporter. I'm not going to lie. I really <laughs> like his game. His game Benzi has evolved. Benzi over Greasy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll get into Greasy in a second. Oh, oh yes. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even get started on, like, <laughs> anyway. I've got all kinds of feelings about Antoine Griezmann. But anyway, I'll get into that, right? So, beautiful goal by Benzi to start off their comeback. Right, because Mönchengladbach, if you're if you're a little kid, and you're beating the crap out of a big kid, you're you're gonna start to gloat and be like, "Ooh, yeah, I got this." The moment that you start to gloat, you forget the size of the big kid, and when he hits you with the haymaker, you're wondering what what the heck just happened to me, and then he hits you with another haymaker, and 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 the and the the fight's over, right? So Mönchengladbach, they forgot the golden rule, end the game they forgot to end the game that's what this that's what the whole story of this this game came down to them having to end the game they were super efficient nine shots total five shots on target with two goals scored that's an amazing stat and to your point too managing mistakes yeah these goals by benzema and then the one in stoppage time to casemiro were grave errors and like yeah. you watch that and you're just like your head that that's when your hands go to your head and you're like what were you thinking like 
it's mm. it's not just that Madrid got beautiful goals. They were gifted these goals from Mönchengladbach mistakes. Absolutely. Which totally is why yep. Greg and I think that while it ended in a tie, nobody won this game. No. Nobody won this game, but Mönchengladbach still lost. That's that's the that's the long and short of it, guys. Like, it's it was theirs to lose, and you're and you're absolutely right. And it's it's good to really acknowledge the fact that, you know, it, the they managed the errors up until that point. Because let me tell you something: for the entirety of the game, they were getting pummeled by Real Madrid. Really great opportunities all throughout the game by Real Madrid. It's just that they let up in the last couple moments. They didn't finish him off. And that's all they needed to do was to just finish them off, hold the defense, stay focused, finish the game. That's, that's the lesson that I hope that they take into next week's opportunity. Who are they facing? They're facing Shakhtar, who's also another defensive dominant team. Let's see you hold out until the whistle blows on the end of stoppage time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, Shameless I, plug. <laughs> I, got a, I got a way to put it everywhere. So the, these were obviously two very, very big games within the, uh, the group stages. A couple other things that I want to I touch on. Uh, Man United won again. Uh, they beat Leipzig 5 nothing. Again, managing errors, finishing out the game. Man U was only up one nothing 70 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Leipzig essentially rolled over and let Man U... Who have it to, to be fair, it's probably the best man you've looked in a while. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to margin uh, to take away from their win because the team actually played very, very well. They started to look like the old man. You, but Leipzig just gave up. Leipzig just gave up. Yeah. And now to Greg's Barcelona team, <laughs> they won two nothing. This game could have uh, been got- five. I gotta say something about that Manu game. Um, Marcus Rashford, man. Oh, he's a he's a beast. I off mean, the bench. He's I got know. A hat trick off the bench. I know. Um, I didn't expect I didn't expect Greenwood to play as well as he did, but Marcus Rashford. There was I think it was his second to last goal because he scored the, the hat trick. Had a beautiful ball control, one off the left foot into the right foot, right into the back of the net. It was it was a gorgeous goal. Not as gorgeous as Joshua <laughs> Kimmich uh, with the volley from uh, from thirty plus yards out. There were some beautiful goals this week, guys. But those two those two have to be like the two two of my favorite goals uh, from the weekend. From the weekend. I, I I do want to throw in the other Bayern goal, uh, Pavard to Goretzka. Greg calls I, it a tap in. It looked beautiful to me. But also, <laughs> I'm American, so what do I know about football? <laughs> You know a lot, Tyler. That's why we. No, I know. I'm. You're Josh. It's a. Yeah, I'm. I'm Josh, and 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 I slightly taking a small dig at another story that we'll dive into. I just kind of want to bring up that it is a thing that happened. Barcelona. Let's talk about Barcelona for a little bit. They won two nothing. They played fine. That game could have been five or six nothing. And the reason that I keep mentioning Antoine Griezmann is because that man also should have had a hat trick like Rashford. He missed so many easy goals that you would expect a player of his caliber to put in the back of the net. What, what can I say? What can I say about... And 
And Dembele is playing well again. Sorry. I'm, thank goodness. I was wait- <laughs> I've been waiting for that for two years, sir. I've been waiting for that for a very long time. I, I've, I, I mean, I've seen this kid when he started in, in the club playing well in the initial, and there were some reports that he's missing out on practices. He's not working as hard as he can. Um, I, I would, so I, I give, I give Dembele all the right. He also had a beautiful goal. It was definitely my top five goals, but uh, Joshua Kimmich was number one uh, because of beautiful ball control. But Antoine Griezmann, I, I <laughs> hang on, folks. <laughs> it's it's so. First of all, as a Barcelona fan, the moment I heard the news that they were purchasing this uh, this young player, who isn't very young, just just to be. Just to be quite frank about that, he came came over from uh, Atletico Madrid back in uh, 2019, and when they put the price tag up, which I think was uh, somewhere close to 150 million euro, I was disgusted because we the the team was getting older, and we were giving up young players for older players, which is how we felt the collapse of our Champions League run last year. Uh, since he's been at the club. He has made 40 appearances with nine goals. Let that sink in for a minute. He has had 40 appearances with nine goals. He could have 12. (laughs) (laughs) Just just from this game alone. Right? At Atletico Madrid, he had 180 appearances with 94 goals. But his effectiveness on this team just does not work. When he first came... My boy Messi had the same interpretation. Why are we getting this guy? We do not need him. And Messi had already formed a relationship with Suarez. They were working that. All they needed was to have Dembele work a little bit harder over on the wing, which he did this week. I I can actually confirm Greg's disgust at this because we were at lunch together when Griezmann started his first game. And we had like a whole 30-minute conversation about why Griezmann didn't fit. Not making that up. 100% Greg and I were having lunch when Griezmann made his Barcelona debut. I can confirm Greg's disgust. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And I love my team to death. And he's there, so I support him. Uh, But at the same time, I don't support the decision that the administration, who is now out, made in order to bring Antoine Griezmann in. I I think it was just as bad as when Chelsea got Torres. Right, uh, if if you guys are not soccer fans, uh, when way back in the day, um, there was a guy named uh, I forget his first name, but I I remember Fernando Torres, right? Fernando Torres, who's a Spanish player, he played in Chelsea and acquired him for a bunch of money, and he just did not fit in well with that Chelsea team. Came from Liverpool to Chelsea, and then moved on to Atletico, Atletico Madrid. Was not a good fit for the team. Everyone said it except the ownership, who was it was newly bought uh, Chelsea team, was just pouring money at players and was playing it almost as if you were playing FUT in FIFA. It's like, oh, we like him. I'm I'm gonna pull him from, uh, out of this stack of cards and I'm gonna drop him into my front and center. He did not fit in well with the with the connection of the team. He he was just a bad. It was a bad move for Chelsea, and Chelsea has not seen success since. His entry and departure, at least not the wide-scale success that Chelsea was enjoying before when they had uh, Frank Lampard 
and uh, the, you know the gorgeous team that they had surrounding him as the captain, and, and not the captain, as Terry was the captain at that point in time, right? This this felt to me similar to that. And while I again I support my team, but the players obviously didn't support this decision either. I would say that the best thing that has happened so far is that Ansu Fati is going to be fantastic in the next two or three years. He needs some time to develop. We have uh, Mirlin Pjanic, who's also a fantastic player. And Pedri is going to be an animal in the next year or so. So there are some plus sides, plus sides to, you know, everything that's happening. But Antoine Griezmann, I don't know if – and don't get me wrong. He is a fantastic player. I've seen him play at Atletico Madrid. I've seen him put on a clinic at his old club. I've seen him put on a clinic for his national team. For some reason, it does not blend with the Barcelona philosophy. It comes with chemistry. You could have, you know, which is a lot of people say, imagine it's like this. It's like this. You see two gorgeous people in a marriage. And you would assume that they're both gorgeous. They're both attractive. They're both, you know, what? the world would view as the perfect couple yet in a year or two they get a divorce and you're wondering how could this happen they were perfect for each other they worked they were both attractive they both had money they had status they had popularity and then the one of the couples marries a, a lesser attractive person less successful and they have a marriage for the next for the rest of their lives it comes down to chemistry and Antoine Griezmann just does not fit He's 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 the circle in the square. He's the square peg the, the, the in the peg, circle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it just does not fit. It does not fit. And and that was my rant on my disgust for Antoine Griezmann being part of this Barcelona team. However, we'll see how it goes. I mean, the the president just stepped down. Lots of lots of changes happening at uh, at Barcelona. Uh, there may not be room for Griezmann. Uh, it sounds like he is probably on his way. So uh, before we sorry, I was I was just gonna add he's 29 years old. He has time to join another team, get another contract, probably not as big as 150 because that was ridiculous to begin with. <laughs> um but he has the opportunity to definitely run with another club and run well. I, I I don't see I don't see bad things for Antoine Griezmann. He just needs to be in a situation where he's not supporting role. When he was at Atletico Madrid, he played at the top of a 4-4-1 or a 4-4-1-1, four, four, one, one, something like it was something of that effect. And the, the support, he was there to break past the, get in behind the defenders when the ball was coming to him and he could finish. If you have him out on the wing, he's not going to work. And that's something that if Barcelona really wants to, to see him thrive, probably put Messi back on the right and have Antoine in the middle. But Dembele seems like he's looking really good on the right, so I wouldn't do that. But put, put, Greasy, put Greasy back in the middle and have him get the support. We all know that, that he has the best supporting cast at Barcelona in uh, Lionel Messi. And Messi is actually fantastic. He's more fantastic at finding players in open space like we saw that Dembele goal from midfield all the way over to the right-hand wing for Dembele to come and bring it in. And he didn't even look. He didn't even look. The ball came to him, and it was a one-touch pass all the way over to the, to the right-hand side. 
I think that that Greasy needs to have an opportunity to to show his worth, but in a team and in a formation that's going to best suit him. That's very fair, and I'm sure that team is out there. Uh, one last thing before we jump into next week's games, we haven't really gone over the uh, the group tables. Nothing really has changed within the groups or is really surprising. I do want to bring in uh, back to Real Madrid before we go because I think this is a very, very interesting stat. So right now, Group B, which is Madrid's group, Shakhtar's in front with four, uh, Gladbach and Inter Milan are tied with two, and Real is sitting with one point. So right now, Real is bringing up the rear of their group. The last time that they didn't advance past the group stage in the Champions League was the 96-97 season. Mm-hmm. which, as Greg pointed out, neither did Barcelona. Yeah. So something was going on that year, but uh, th- this could potentially be one of those years if they don't figure out how to start games. I-, I think that it's also, I think what was disheartening for me in terms of not seeing them uh, progress is they have four more games. They have four more games in which to advance. I, I usually, I say this all the time, usually the first two games aren't really that important. But seeing the effort that they put in to go after this one and didn't come up with the win, that was probably the most disheartening to see them not be able to bring that out. Now they're going up against Inter Milan next. And Inter Milan, you know, draw, drew against who they lost to in Shakhtar. I know there is a possibility that if they are switched on, if they were switched on against Shakhtar, they might have won that game. But things are not looking really good for the, for the White Lions. Well, for not the White Lions. What am I saying? Wrong sport. Uh, things aren't looking good for the boys in white um, over there in Spain, the kings of Spanish football. This might be one of those years that they might not pull it out. And, and that's, that's as much so as on, an, on a film as a football purist would not be good. It'll be, it'll be disheartening to see such a giant be left out of the round of 16. But as a Barcelona fan, more power <laughs> to it. So Because um, you, you guys are doing work in your group. It's... Oh, fantastic work. <laughs> fantastic work. Well, we'll see how we do against Dynamo in the next round. I threw out a couple of those already, so I was about to switch that over to you, Tyler. Who's playing who next week? Who's playing who? Yeah, so we have uh, day five and six next week. Welcome to stoppage time. We're in that portion of our show. I'm going to run through the games. Greg and I are going to give one or two that we're excited and everybody should look out for. Maybe that's the game that you should tune into because as we said, these games are unfairly proportioned. Uh, They mostly all kick off at the same time. So you have to choose. So we're going to do our best to try to influence your decision. (laughs) So for so for day five, we have Lokomotiv Moscow versus Atletico. We have Shakhtar versus Mönchengladbach. Atalanta versus Liverpool. Mithilin versus Ajax. Porto versus Marseille. Salzburg uh, versus Bayern Munich. Uh, Manchester, Manchester City versus Olympiacos. And the matchup that Greg mentioned, Real Madrid versus Inter Milan. For me, there's a lot of great games in this 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 grouping on day five i if real wasn't playing the way that they were i i wouldn't even really give that game a thought but you know 
I, I do want to throw the Real Inter game in there. I want to throw Shakhtar and Mönchengladbach in there. Mm-hmm. Really interested in that locomotive versus Atletico game. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I know I made a brief mention to this when we were running through the scores uh, recap. Liverpool doesn't look that great. No. Liverpool, and I really want to see what they do against an upstart team like Atalanta. I could even look at that Salzburg Bayern Munich game. That could be it. Salzburg has played great. They haven't mm. won, but they have proven that they can compete. And that that could be a game that Bayern could sleep on. Mm-hmm. You never know. These these games, now that we're getting further and further into the tournament, are getting more and more interesting. Yeah. I would say that the the game for the for day five would be in interest of seeing what Real Madrid's going to do for the for the three afterwards would be uh, that Real Madrid Inter Milan game. I really I really want to see what they do against that Inter Milan team. So Tyler, who's playing on on match day six? So on day six we have Istanbul Basaksehir versus Man U. We have Zenit versus Lazio. Your Barcelona versus Dynamo Kiev. Chelsea versus Reign. Brugge versus Dortmund, Ferenveros versus Juventus, Leipzig versus PSG, and Sevilla versus Krasnodar. Now that sounds like, match day six sounds like it's going to be probably just as exciting. I, I think that that Man U-Istanbul game is going to be a little bit of a treat. But honestly, I think that the guys that I really want to watch this week would be Chelsea. Um, Chelsea being on the top of their group, going up against um, Rain. Reigns will be something to watch, guys. So this week, there's, uh, again, a lot of exciting football. I think that match day five is going to be some of the the bigger clashes that we see across the Champions League world. Um, There's going to be a lot of action on both days. I'm obviously going to be tuned into my Barcelona Dynamo game um, because I want to see how how our boys do with that. If we come up on nine points, uh, it's going to be a good day in Spain. Uh, let's just say it like that. Let's just say it like that. But uh, a lot, a lot of good games for, for both days, but I think day five, and you could, you could disagree with me, um, Tyler, but day five looks like it's going to be the, the real uh, clashes are going to be, um, it's going to be an amazing day. I, I agree. And that, that uh, Istanbul Man U game could be lots of goals. Um, mm-hmm. that, that could just be an exciting game for you to turn into. I think Brugge Dortmund could be interesting because that could turn that group. Uh, Brugge is tied at the top of their group with Lazio 4-4 with Dortmund's right behind him with three points. So that could really swing that group. I, I can't argue with you that day five is much, much better. I, I don't know, honestly, what to watch on day five. Day six, I'm like, okay, I, I think I know what I what I would want to tune into. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting. And I realize I forgot to bring this up, but talking about Chelsea, uh, there's a really interesting story kind of developing around uh, Frank Lampard and how he has handled Christian Pulisic in Chelsea, that maybe he kind of took him for granted because he is an American footballer. And I I, I don't think Greg would say I'm lying if American football is looked down upon in the rest of the world. We, we, uh, American football is trying to break through and and become you know kind of a powerhouse like some of these 
bigger international teams, but it's just, it's just never happened. And a lot of it has been because the, the thought is that the talent isn't there. Pulisic is one of the big talents right now for the U.S. It's exciting. There's, there's actually a lot of U.S. players playing in this tournament right now and overseas that are exciting, getting great experience. So I'm interested to see what that brings back to the, uh, to the international team. And they are very famously uh, didn't make the World Cup a couple years ago, uh, much to the disappointment. So the, the team is definitely looking to rebound. But uh, Frank Lampard was called out by uh, Jesse March, who coaches uh, at Salzburg, who is an American uh, coaching that Austrian team just to give you a little back uh, background to that. Ooh. So it'll be interesting to see what happens now that I think that there are going to be some eyes on Lampard now that he's been called out, whether it's true or not. Um, it might be true. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right about that. I think that um, when it comes to Americans, I mean, because for the most part, um, it has been, you know, publicized on different medias for a couple of years a couple decades that that you know soccer is not uh an american sport they it, you know back in the the 80s and the 90s it was relegated to um just girls playing soccer while guys played basketball football baseball um but with the the introduction of the mls and um way back in the day when pele played uh, over in the United States, it kind of sparked a little fire. And uh, the United States is very a very young country when it comes to the love of the sport. And, and the MLS has done great by bringing foreign players in. Um, but I could see where, where uh, Lampard was probably still a little skeptical. Um, and I just have one note to that. Why'd you buy him then? You know, uh, if, you, if you were doubtful of his talents, then why'd you buy him? Like that, that would have been wasted money. Uh, and I think that they put a pretty hefty. He was good back in Borussia Dortmund. Like he, he could have stayed there. Well, why did you go out and pursue this kid? So you know, um, I, 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 if it's true, shame on you, Lampy. You know, talent comes from anywhere. Um, I know from you know Trinidad and Tobago. No one ever thought that we would have any players that played a world class level, and we haven't had one since uh, the great Dwight York uh, that played for uh, Manchester United and was a Champions League winner, you know. So talent comes from anywhere and everywhere. And um, I just think that because the U.S. is so loud um, in their expressions, that that perspective is there. But the, the kid has shown up on every level, from national to uh, European ball. And it's just, you know, he's still young, and we got more to see from him. For sure. And I'm, I'm, I know personally I'm excited. Um, yeah. I, I, w- I would love to see... Uh, American uh, football get to the somewhat of a, a higher level. It, it just pride. Like I, I remember exactly where I was when the U S team played Portugal and almost beat them. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 and I remember the feeling uh, I watched it at a bar. I remember the feeling within that bar watching everyone together and celebrating the goals. Like you you always see in like those, uh, in the bigger games, you see everyone out at the bar celebrating. Like they always cut to that on TV is like everyone celebrating in the bar to be, to be a part of one that, that feeling like it, you know, it, it was great. Uh, we ended up losing the game, which I also remember. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately you, you remember the wins as much as uh, you remember the losses and True. at times. And 
yeah, I, I would just love to see us get to that level. And speaking of Dortmund, Dortmund went out and got another American player, Gio Reyna. That's what I, I think is for. like 17 or 18 right mm-hmm. now. They, they could uh, very easily get called up to the American team. And again, all of these players, Weston McKinney, Pulisic, um, I'm drawing a blank on a couple of the, uh, I said Reyna. You know, the, the, all these players are getting uh, dest for, for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's the first American to play for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's he's also seventeen or eight. Like he, all these young players are getting out to go over and play with these uh, powerhouses. Uh, I think McKinney's on Juventus. He had to sit out because Ronaldo gave him COVID. Um, <laughs> but you know, McK- all all of these players are getting to desses with Messi. Mm-hmm. McKinney's with. Uh, I just said it, uh, Ronaldo. Pulisic is learning from Lampard and all these great players on Chelsea. Uh, Dortmund with uh, Reyna, he's learning from Holland. He's learning from another great talent, Jaden Sancho, uh, the the Brit, who's going to be a, a baller. He's an animal. And he's also, <laughs> like, what is he, 17? Or, like, the, all these young players are, are turning up, and it's it's exciting, and I think that, given the right coach and given the right uh, chemistry, I think, I think U.S. soccer could get there and start in turn getting more Americans into it and wanting to play the sport and continuing to, to replenish. That's what these teams do. Barcelona, Real Madrid, they may lose star players, but then they just, they just replenish whether Mm -hmm. from inside or they pay someone a boatload of money to come there and play. So we'll see. Sorry, that was very long-winded. <laughs> That's fine. I enjoyed it. It actually had me uh, thinking that we should probably talk about the evolution of soccer in the United States at some point. That could be a side episode, something for, for you guys to look forward to. But guys, the whistle just blew. We are out of time for this week. Hope to meet you guys next week on Stoppage Time. Tyler, it's been amazing, as per usual. Love having this time here with you, bro. And um, <laughs> It's been great. We didn't uh, we didn't pull a munch and glob back. We we, <laughs> we played we played till the whistle blew. Till the whistle blew. Till till after the whistle blew. We're still playing. <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. And that has been stoppage time.